for the people that couldn't be here, what's the most important thing you think they should uh, should have known or seen today? Well, this morning we had a lot of great information. I think the biggest thing is that um, I think for the public that you know it's quite obvious that the um, construction industry is going gangbusters right now. So it's a great thing for our region to have that um, that job creation that's occurring. Um, there's spending, which is great for all the businesses around here. The frustrating part of it is for the home buyers um, that pricing volatility that we've been seeing, um, particularly with lumber and materials. That uh, just to understand that that national crisis with material delays and supplies, um, which is a result of the pandemic. Um, hopefully, we're coming out of some of that, um, but we're still seeing that, and that really affects the price of homes, um, new construction. So um, we're seeing lumber has decreased in price a little bit, and maybe we'll go back to some regular numbers, hopefully. It's very hard to build a deck right now. I've heard a lot of complaints, like country, I was going to build a deck this <laughs> summer, and it's just too crazy in price. But um, no, and then the skilled labor, uh, that tight skilled labor market that we have, um, particularly in particularly in the construction industry is very, um, weighs heavily in terms of the cost uh, to new construction. So, um, but we're not alone. Every industry is fighting that right now. We, our market, um, the labor pool, we just really need to work on getting youth into our industry. Great lucrative careers available and uh, little debt, you know, to go along with it. And, you know, that'll put you into a great position to, if you want to pursue a career later, um, you won't have the debt yeah. behind you, but you can pay for that higher degree if you want to. One thing that jumped out to me was the, I think the national uh, home, ownership, uh, home ownership rate was like 63%, and yet here, 53 and in Fargo alone, 38%. Yeah. What do you attribute that to? Um, six, I think it's 66% nationally, 53% from the metro statistical area, um, which includes Fargo and the surrounding areas. But Fargo itself is at 38 3%, I think, if I remember right. Um, and uh, while we sit in a pretty good situation, um, Dr. Bollier had pointed out that, you know, we're not California, thank goodness. Um, we can afford to build homes, renovate, um, remodel, um, and really our community, the, the consumers here really do reinvest in the community here, but it still gets those bar barriers that we see um, in this region uh, affect the price. And so um, it's still, our incomes aren't where they maybe need to be. Um, so it, it makes it difficult to make that jump from whether you're living in your parents' home. Um, we hear a lot of that now that young people are living, they went back home to live with their parents because they have a high college debt and they're trying to make the jump. Um, the beauty is when you invest in a home, you're investing in your future. It's the, probably the biggest investment you'll make, but you're investing. So, um, but we still need that diverse housing stock. So we work on the home ownership rate, get people into homes um, because it's good for the community. You, it's good for neighborhoods, it, there's less crime. We're, we're investing in our community, but the other side, we still need that investment in um, diverse housing stocks. We have senior living options we have an older population that we need to house as well. Um, we need to have affordable multifamily. We need to have options downtown. So um, there's to reinvest in that infrastructure to uh, if there's existing housing that needs renovation. So it's important all across the board. Um, but and the beauty is it's creating jobs all the time too. So we need that healthy construction market as well. 
So first off, Dr. Willie, thanks so much for doing this interview. A ton of information. I guess what I'd like to ask you is for the people that couldn't be here today, most important thing you think they should have taken away from your presentation is what? Uh, just pay attention to uh, markets. And you know, if you're feeling like things just continue to keep going up, that may not last forever. And you know, I think that <laughs> I think that the causes of uh, why it may not last forever are going to be policy, and it's going to come from uh, uncertainty around um, you know fiscal policy, what Congress does for us, but also the Federal Reserve, which is a huge um, source of uncertainty as we look out into the future. Will they raise rates? When will they raise rates? And that's all driven by uh, inflation data. This morning, new data came out: 5.4 percent uh, year-over-year inflation, and those rates are going to trigger action, and as they do, a lot of the good times we're having in stock markets, in housing markets, in a lot of the different things that we're um, consuming may um, come, not crashing down, but may correct. Well, you said so much that jumped out to me, so I'm gonna do my best to remember all of it, but one thing was that you said, hey, right now, and you had a graphic to demonstrate this, I hope we can get that data from you, but you said, Right now, it's actually better to be renting than buying. What's that data? How did you determine that? Yeah, so it's a ratio of just uh, the, the price of renting versus um, the cost of buying a home. And that ratio goes up and down over time. It was historically at its highest ever right before the housing crisis. And then it corrects where it makes, as the housing crisis was correcting, it makes buying more and more attractive. It's climbing back up to those 2008 rates again, which is an indicator that a person trying to weigh, should I pay for a mortgage or should I rent, there's greater value in renting right now versus buying. You know, so it's it's in it's a value indicator. It doesn't tell you what you should do in every situation. I've got three kids, a dog, and a cat. I need to be in a house. But for the person on the margin, um, it's showing that rent is relatively more valuable um, compared to paying a really high and inflated housing price. Fascinating. Um, the other thing is you just mentioned about the inflation rate, 5.4 percent. Um, Chairman Powell is supposed to testify in front of Congress, I think, tomorrow and Thursday. What are you expecting to hear from him? What would you like to hear from him? Uh, so I think he'll be um, honest about the inflation. We've been seeing that from the Federal Reserve. Yes, there's inflation. Yes, it's running hot. Uh, he'll probably point out that it's concentrated in pockets. So used cars, um, rental cars, appliances, these are the areas where there's a lot of inflation. He's going to say this is going to pass. And he, in fact, is worried about a softening in the economy um, because, as I said this morning, there's indicators like mortgage applications right now. Um, you know, some of the other financial indicators suggest that maybe things are slowing down a little bit. And he'll point to that and say, we're on the right track from a policy standpoint. We're going to keep interest rates low, and uh, we're staying there for a long time to come. And as interest rates remain low, remember, it just means a lot of money is floating around in the economy. It's allowing people to keep investing in Robinhood and doing things that create the little um, bits of bubbles we're seeing around the country. You mentioned Robinhood. I think you even talked about AMC a little bit today. And you also talked about where the stock market's at right now. I think you said 37 times. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the exact data. So what was that data point, and how concerned are you that hey, this, this could be the end because we had a gentleman earlier last week talk about ag stuff, but he said, hey, I think this market's going to get cut by maybe a third. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's one of the most standard uh, indicators. It's called this, the CAPE 10. I can share the data with you, but um, it's an indicator people look at for long-term valuations of markets. It adjusts markets out over a 10-year period, so you're not getting 
funky ratios, you know, that are just driven by like year over year um, differences. It's controlled for 10 years. It's at its highest rate um, of any time except for the 2000 bubble. And that was a big tech bubble that burst. Uh, the NASDAQ went from 5,000 down to like 1,000, um, major declines in, uh, in stock market indices. So a lot of people are looking at US valuations and saying, they're really high. Um, it's hard to support these, especially if interest rates indeed have to rise as well. But so if interest rates stay low, as you're suggesting, do we just keep, I mean, these prices continue to run or what happens? They, they might, but what happens is people are getting less and less for their dollars. You know, so you can have um, low interest rates, you can have inflation, but it means you and I are able to get less and less out of our, um, out of our money. And it's not clear that um, firms are going to be dying to pass 5% pay raises um, each year to just to, to offset the effect of inflation. So the people who get harmed are people on fixed incomes, people who aren't keeping up with it in terms of salary increases each year. Talk about maybe things a little bit more local. Do you see a housing bubble here in this community? And if so, why? You know, it seems a little bit hot, you know, and I'm just, I'm an outsider. I've been here five years, um, love uh, the area. It's a market that strikes me as fairly stable. Um, actually, I came from Phoenix. That is a hot market. It goes up a lot. It goes down a lot. In the in the 08 period in Phoenix, if you had cash, you could have bought just about anything. Here, it just seems much more flat and calm. That said, um, there definitely have been, um, you know, indicators that suggest that even here, it's a little hot, like no um, supply in some of the historic neighborhoods this summer. Now what's happened is now all of a sudden there's a lot of houses on the market and they seem to be sitting a little bit. So as I said this morning, it looks like things might be softening even here a little bit. They certainly are nationally um, in the housing market and it's a question of how, how much um, decline are we experiencing right now. Can you mention a couple of the met metrics that are saying that it's starting to soften? You mentioned, um, I think mortgages were down. What other metrics are you looking at? Yeah, so mortgage applications are down 18% in June. Um, the, the surveys of who is in fact wanting to buy are down. So they've gone from about 7.1% to 4%. You know, so that's a big wow. drop off and people actually actively searching for a home right now. Um, inventory's up as well. So four months in a row, inventory's up. When we were at peak um, like housing craziness, which I think is in the rear view now by several months, it was you couldn't find a home. There were more realtors than there were homes available nationally. So more realtors than, so each realtor couldn't even have one home um, available and that's a uh, really tight supply. That now we're, we're experiencing more and more coming on market, which is a natural response to high prices. So as you look over the horizon, where do you see opportunity? Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, th it's still an amazing story that we've rebounded to the extent that we have. And I'm a naturally optimistic person um, in general. I think the U.S. economy and some of the forces that we're experiencing thanks to trade, thanks to innovation, are phenomenal in driving us forward. The natural tendency for our economy is 4% growth. We should be able to achieve that year after year. The worry is that we do some things that are really stupid. And I think that the stupid things um, are, you know, injecting a lot more um, stimulus in areas where it's not needed um, or getting um, policy wrong from the Federal Reserve. Either we raise rates too early, we raise them too much, or we don't do anything and we just let inflation run. Any of those are really bad scenarios for the economy. So um, leaving, <laughs> leaving things in this like sweet spot where you don't do too much might be the best thing for us as we go forward. One thing I know producer AJ wanted me to ask you about, and I do as well, is this used car market yeah. is uh, unbelievable. 
What's your assessment, your takeaway, and what would you say to people about it? Yeah, I think it's going to correct. I mean, it's it's going to be a lot like the lumber market. So I covered the lumber market this morning, and we're back to you know the beginning of the year levels in lumber. It's it's correcting. There are strong forces to encourage production of more cars and to get cars into supply. Uh, right now, it's there's a chip shortage that's part of the issue. Um, there's stimulus money everywhere. So if you look at the chart on used car markets, every major uptick is thanks to people getting checks into their hands. You know, and, and I don't think we're going to get a fourth round of stimulus. You know, I don't, I don't see like another just direct handout of money to people. And if we're not doing that at some point, um, those rates of change are going to lessen and maybe come back to earth. All right, Mayor, thank you so much for giving us some time. Uh, lots of information here in the housing situation. I guess what, as a businessman and as the mayor of West Fargo, what was your greatest takeaway? What do the people of West Fargo need to know about today? Well, I think the, the greatest takeaway here is is the collaboration. You know, we, we as cities rely on the Home Builders Association for some of their data that they're sharing and what the needs are of the community. And as you could tell by today, with Dilworth there, Horace there, Moorhead there, Fargo there, West Fargo there. This is not unlike uh, regular meetings that the mayors of those same cities, you know, the Chad Olsons and the Roy, uh, Corey uh, Peterson and, and Mayor Mahoney and Shelley Carlson and myself. So we're always collaborating with that. I know sometimes the public thinks that we might not do enough of that. But if we're not doing it as, you know, the executives of our respective cities, our staff certainly is. And that's what uh, that the community should know and should be very proud of, of how well we work together. There's a couple of data points that jumped out to me that I'll get to, but I guess I want to ask you first, when you saw the data today and obviously being the mayor, what do you see as the biggest housing challenge facing, facing West Fargo today? I think that the, the uh, first-time home builder, uh, buyers, uh, anything that has that type of thing and the interesting part is is that you know two of the cities talked about soon to have their comprehensive plan done uh, our comprehensive plan has been in place for about uh, three and a half to four years and a, a critical point of that that mr tim soberg uh, the assistant city administrator from west fargo made is that lot size lot size is critical when you're dealing with the variety of builders that we have in the community, and because those lot size are directly related to affordable housing. The smaller the lot, the, the less type of structure they're gonna put on there, thus all equaling the fact that it'll be an affordable home going in. So we have a, we have a very robust plan that uh, addresses that, and so uh, we're constantly uh, monitoring that very closely. Actually, uh, Mr. Solberg again and Mrs. Fisk, our city administrator, we monitor that even on a, on a section of uh, a mile section of how much housing of each type in there. Now, the challenge is sometimes uh, is that existing neighborhoods, you know, we're always going to want to try and ma maintain the integrity of that existing neighborhood. So sometimes there's some challenges there in the sense that that neighborhood doesn't want these condos or those townhomes or an apartment building to there. So that's why we have a lot of uh, dialogue and public meetings with the public so they can express that. So that's one of the biggest challenges as we continue to work on, on uh, affordable housing or if, uh, you know, they, one of the real trigger words right now is infill. 
And so those can be real challenging sometimes, uh, blending those types of housing uh, op opportunities with the existing neighborhoods. You, you kind of read my mind because those are the two things that jumped out to me was one, the homeownership rate compared to the national average in our community. And two, Bryce mentioned for every thousand dollars a high goes, price goes up, it knocked out X amount of people out of that marketplace. 200. Thank you. I didn't yeah. remember the number. The 38% uh, ownership in our community surprised me too. I thought that was exceptionally low. Uh, I think that, you know, we very, have a very robust uh, development people in our community that are building a lot of apartment buildings. And I think that uh, that competition, that uh, occupancy rate, uh, I think is very competitive. And so I, I think there's some young families, young people that are probably saying it right now, it's cheaper for me to rent than it is to buy. Uh, we, you know, the, again, you know, depends on where you get your news sources from. <laughs> Sometimes when you hear what's happening to the lumber prices or what's going to happen to mortgage rates in the near future. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an inter interesting dynamic. Again, uh, our metropolitan cities couldn't have better staff addressing it. Uh, I, I have all the confidence in the world. And again, the relationship that we have with the home builders and what they provide to us and the developers. They're very engaged in our communities because, you know, that's, their, uh, that's what they do and they're good at it. And uh, so the community and uh, our staff has to be a very uh, active part of that whole process. Two more questions for you. One is you talked about affordable housing. Obviously, a lot of that's based on income. You see wages going up. Um, there's been a study done in the past where it shows that our community maybe underpays in some uh, professions. Just your message to the opportunity of raising wages and your takeaway on that. Well, I have a lot of discussion with the business community. That's where I come from. But the reality of it is, is I've been, I've been out to a lot of businesses recently and participated in some of their uh, public awareness of what they're doing, hiring fairs and things like that. They're inviting myself to, to attend those. And what I'm seeing is a, uh, uh, some very positive things for uh, the workforce in, in our area. I'm seeing wages go up. I, 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 could, I could cite a number of businesses now that are paying uh, starting wages is at over $20 an hour and that not along with benefits and along with a substantial cultural shift on how they're going to treat those entry-level people and how they're going to move them into their workforce so they're more responsible, more educated, more trained and that type of thing. So I'm seeing a lot of that and you know that's a very positive thing. So, uh, you know, the, the, the struggle will be as all of these cultures of these various businesses continue to understand the workforce shortages that we're dealing with and taking those staff and moving them forward uh, progressively in, in training and education and things like that, there are going to be some areas, there are going to be some businesses that I had a tendency to stay on that lower end, you know, that low starting wage or starting at the minimum wage that are going to continue to, uh, to struggle. To go back to affordability, I heard somebody sit next to you say the word specials. What can we do about special assessments? Uh, specials is, uh, that keeps me up at night. We, have, uh, we had a special assessment meeting in West Fargo just last night where a lot, a lot of the number uh, of the major construction projects in West Fargo uh, Cheyenne, uh, South Cheyenne, the interchange, all the way down to 40th Avenue, and that's a challenge. The, the cost of everything, 
uh, of, of that that uh, goes into those types of projects. But we've you know we've we've grown so rapidly in West Fargo that we've had such a density change on the south side of the interstate, and uh, a lot of these families that are moving in here aren't native North Dakotans. They're great uh, professional people that are coming to our community. And uh, as uh, Mr. Solberg said earlier, the expectations of services is unprecedented. You know, we have the core of our city and they're all those great West Fargoans that have lived here for a long time. And so that's the challenge. People are saying to us, you know, well, you know, my commute is too long. You know, you gotta improve this, the, the infrastructure and the streets. Uh, my garbage needs to be picked up at 8 a.m. On, on garbage day and those types of things. Uh, and, you know, what, being we live in the environment we do, all of the things that we have to do to plow the streets and to keep our streets open and repaired. Because south of the interstate is now over 20 years old, most of it. And, of course, the core of our city is very old. So we have infrastructure needs uh, substantial needs of, of uh, replacement and rejuvenation on the north side. So, you know, it's it's a real tough thing to do. We've got good people that are continuously studying it, and and as uh, Mr. Solberg said, uh, we got to do everything that we can do to try and keep those down. And uh, that that's a that's an everyday struggle because the rising costs of everything. Uh, you know, we heard repeatedly today by every one of the people that spoke concrete well uh, you know we know that concrete lasts longer than asphalt you know so most of the streets are now being put in in concrete well when you have uh, basically one major contractor here is just pouring for the diversion you know that that's uh, that's a challenge that's that's a challenge for our community about the accessibility of of being efficient and and uh, on time to, to for building homes or anything like that you know, it reminds me during the boom of the oil boom out west, you know, uh, homeowners couldn't get a driveway port because there was so much demand for concrete with all of the other major construction projects. It was taking six and eight months to pour a driveway in Dickinson, North Dakota. That's how challenging it was at times. So, you know, all of these types of things uh, create challenges for the business community and they certainly do for uh, city governments as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Appreciate the time very much.